The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it is also packed full of powerful features. It all starts with invoicing, but actually FreshBooks has so many features to help keep you organized and streamline the business side of being a freelancer or a small business owner. The FreshBooks dashboard has been curated to answer the one burning question for any small business owner, how is my business doing? No more guessing games on what's owed, what's overdue, or whether or not you're in the red. If you have any questions whatsoever, the FreshBooks award-winning customer service team is amazingly helpful, super friendly with zero attitude. Plus, a real live person usually answers in three rings or less. Create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, guys. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. See when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a free 30-day unrestricted trial to my listeners to claim it. Just go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you in the how did you hear about a section. Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 15th, and I feel like I have gotten into a bit of a perfection rut with recording this podcast. I tried recording it over the weekend and I was mostly tired, but I must have recorded it a bunch of times and deleted it. Oh my God, I don't like the intro. I don't like what I'm saying. And so I am forcing myself through this podcast because sometimes that's just what we have to do in life. You know, it's like we keep ripping up that sheet of paper or deleting, deleting, deleting when we're writing something. And sometimes we just have to push through. So I am pushing through today. Um, I am doing a Q&A podcast podcast today. Um, and with the exception of the first question, I would say that most of the questions are ones that I would typically avoid. And I think that I would avoid them because I sort of have this concern about, should I be answering this kind of question? Because who am I? And, you know, I just decided over the weekend that if somebody took the time to write me the question, um, perhaps they aren't looking for the right answer. Maybe they're just looking for my answer, my opinion, um, which is everything that I say. And I always, I tell you about this advice and any advice that you may get. Um, some of it may be for you. Some of it may not be take what you need, leave the rest on the floor. Always remember that. So I'm just giving this advice from my perspective. Um, I hope you guys are doing well as we get ready for Thanksgiving. Can you believe that? Next week is Thanksgiving. I've got um, some water, six o'clock in the morning. I've got some water with lemon. My throat's just a little dry. I think this weather change, um, it probably gets all of us, uh, but I have a little bit of water because I always tell you guys, recording these by myself, Talking nonstop uh, without something makes my throat dry. Okay, let's get into these questions. Hi, my leak. So I landed my first full-time salary position with my dream company after a stream of odd jobs and going back to school. I am a few months in and I love my job and coworkers, but I'm starting to wonder if there is something more. Is this ungrateful of me? Is it normal to have these feelings? Am I being ungrateful? Wondering if something more exists doesn't make you ungrateful. It just means that perhaps you did all of this work to get to what you perceive to be the mountaintop. And now that you're there, you realize you're not even halfway to the top. A lot of times we realize that once our dreams are realized, 
they were actually quite small. This is all very normal. When I started college, all I knew was that I wanted to work in entertainment. I didn't really care where. I just knew I wanted to be behind the scenes, maybe contributing to some creative content. I got an internship working on sets for um, different companies like The Gap and Macy's. And from there, I got an internship sponsored by Essence Magazine, working at Unilever in the Calvin Klein Classic Brand Fragrances Department. I want you to know that I cried in the lobby of that job because though the opportunity of a lifetime, I hated it at first. I called my dad on my flip phone and he told me if I hated it so much, come home, give up. I got what he was doing. This was just a stop on my journey and my lesson for that job was to find joy in everything I do even when I don't quote unquote like it. One of the greatest lessons of my life. I went back in those doors with a new attitude and vowed to do a great job regardless of my feelings. I said all of that to say that this is just a stop on your journey and make sure that you get everything you can out of it before you move on and lucky you that you like it. Um, there's always something more and you will fare better when you have a plan of how long you want to do this and when you'll consider moving on. We have to make plans for where we are just like we have, just like we have to about the future. So we have to make plans for exactly what we're doing. Like, okay, what am I going to do while I'm here? Just like you're making plans for what you want to do in the future. Will you learn as much at the bigger, better opportunity, right? I know sometimes you want to get these jobs. There are tons of awesome companies that can, that you can work for, that will have you pushing paper around versus actually allowing you to get involved. So make plans for what you want and also what you want to learn and how you want to live and act accordingly. So no, you're not ungrateful. I think you are realizing what many of us realize on our journey that sometimes we have this goal and we have made this goal the end all be all only to get there and go, wow, that's not even, I haven't even, you know, touched the tip of the iceberg. So um, kudos to you for realizing that. Enjoy this job. Lucky you that you like it. Enjoy these people. Have a plan for what you want to learn. And once you've learned all of that, that's when you can start to say, all right, I'm ready to move on. And you can always investigate other opportunities um, while you're there because you never know. Okay. Hi, my leak. I hope this email finds you well. I am a 27 year old, somewhat introverted woman currently pursuing doctoral studies in New York City. I have attended some of this country's best universities on full academic scholarship. I speak a second language. I am extremely independent, well-traveled and all around look pretty good on paper. However, how I feel about myself on the inside is another story. I essentially have zero self-confidence. Nothing I've accomplished seems to matter. And I question if it's because I never really wanted these things in the first place and or if it's rooted in something else. My other inkling is that it has something to do with how I was raised. I grew up as an only child in a single parent household and was never really praised for my accomplishments. My mother was very emotionally distant and I was treated as if clothing, food, and a roof over my head were all one needed to be okay. Upon reflection, I don't think my mother is that confident either. Additionally, I'm sure that I have some abandonment issues from my father who was in and out of my life. 
As an adult, my lack of confidence is apparent to others, and I know that it's holding me back. I've had professors pull me aside and suggest that I develop an alter ego and tell me that they know how I don't believe in myself. In the past few years, I have tried to challenge myself by setting goals for how many times I talk in class, and I've even began taking a challenging dance class, but doing well at these things, or at least being willing to do it afraid still doesn't lead me to feeling more confident. I honestly don't even know what that would look like or how it would feel. I know that I am too old to use my upbringing as an excuse, so I'm reaching out to you for suggestions because I am merely getting by as opposed to thriving. How can I finally feel good enough? Any advice, life hacks, or reading suggestions would be greatly appreciated. So I typed out a long, ooh, this question Uh, This is a question that has been sitting in my inbox that moved me, but I felt too intimidated to answer. What if I'm wrong? I might be, but if you'll allow me to take a stab at this, I'm going to try. So I sectioned these out in numbers to help me collect my thoughts. Number one, when you started this letter, you began it with some very impressive things. You've been to some of the best institutions in the country on full academic scholarship, speak another language, you're independent, well-traveled, the list goes on. I'm always curious in how people introduce themselves. I want to know what they think matters and who they think it matters to. These things matter to somebody. In fact, you've seen the faces of people light up when you say these things. Thing is, they don't matter to you. Which leads me to number two. I thought to myself, who is she trying to impress that clearly isn't? Ah, mom. That thing we do when we want an emotionally distant parent to see us. If I can be honest with you, I can tell you that I've been in your shoes doing everything I could to be seen. I just want you to notice me and tell me that these things are amazing. And then I slowly started to notice that I could cure cancer and it wouldn't matter. When you said you were never really praised for your accomplishments, I wanted to give you a hug because I know the feeling. Number three, if you'll allow me and everyone listening to this right now to tell you something, you are amazing, you are incredible, not because of what you've done on paper, but because of what you've managed to keep going in spite of your circumstances. Your desire to be better and want more in life is beyond admirable, beyond which leads me to my fourth point. So let's talk about why these challenging classes aren't doing the trick. You're working from a place of lack. I don't know enough. I don't have enough of this or that. You have enough. You have enough of everything. You are baked, girl. All we have to do is ice this cake with the frosting of your choice. What would you do if no one ever cared or even acknowledged you for it? Do some more of that. What would you do? What would you do where the outcome simply does not matter? Where you don't have to get an A or you don't have to be the best at it? Do some more of that. Which takes me to number five. Some things that worked for me were creating my own supportive, supportive, what I call family, friends that become family that will be wowed by the things that you do and accomplish. Those friends that will push you along 
and celebrate you. I'll never forget the time someone brought me my favorite expensive champagne champagne the day I opened my own warehouse. As they handed me the card in the bottle, I stared at it strangely. <laughs> what is this for? They looked at me, you know, with bright eyes and like, are you serious? You just opened a warehouse, my leak. That's a huge deal. And I began to cry. I've never really been celebrated for doing anything like this. I believe I've done some amazing things in my life that for the most part went unnoticed. Keep those people around you. They're going to be able to help you get through some of this. Number six, it would I wouldn't be me if I didn't suggest some good old psychotherapy to teach you how to handle the specifics of this challenge. Therapy has given me the tools to not be so defeated by certain things. It's taught me to be better at celebrating my own accomplishments and being okay with outside praise. For the longest time... It would sort of baffle me when people would tell me how incredible they thought I was. Um, how true was it if I didn't hear it from who I felt like I needed to hear it from, right? And so that was the thing that, um, I'm going to veer off my notes for a second. That's the thing that kind of like moved me and made me relate to you is that a lot of times we keep adding all these things to our resume or just doing more and more because we are seeking praise and we're getting it from people but we're not getting it from the person that we want to get it from right so it doesn't matter what we do you know we do all these things our peers and strangers they clap and then we look over you know it's like if you are in a stands in the you look into the stands and all of these strangers are roaring for you and you look and you see the one person that you want to do it sitting there silently it turns down the volume of the praise right so it feels like nothing I do is ever good enough and that simply isn't true um this is something that I'm still working on which is why I was so intimidated by your question so my last point is, is that I want you to know that I'm in the trenches with you on this um and the fact that you have this awareness and you are making steps though they may not be fruitful yet to change means that relief will come for you eventually. Okay, next question. Um, first of all, thank you for everything you do for women. Thank you. I've gotten into many business podcasts only to find them to make entrepreneurship seem greasy, boring, and depressing, whereas you basically provide an image of a more meaningful life defined by a work ethic that works for you. My question is this. What do you do when you don't know what the best location is for your career? My boyfriend wants to get a house near my hometown, which isn't tiny, but it is not a big city at all. I currently live in Seattle and the idea of having to not pay rent and be able to spend more time and money on my craft is very appealing. I do multimedia work, video editing, graphic design, etc. It can all be done remotely, but I'm worried I will slow my momentum by leaving the network of people in my city and the vibe of the city. I'm 21. I know it's going to take years of hard work to make a name for myself and build my experience and skills. Should I do it in a hub of creativity and frankly money or in the country where I can concentrate almost solely on my work? So I'm guessing that your boyfriend wants to get a house near your hometown, which is the country. Um, so this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say the thing that I never wanted to hear when I was 21. 
Your boyfriend's desires of having a house near your hometown don't have anything to do with this. If we removed what he wanted to do from this equation, I pretty much get that you truly believe that you need to be in a hub of creativity. And I'm going to tell you that I have to agree with you. Um, I'm not anti-relationship at all, but I am anti-cutting your life off at 21 for a potentially smaller smaller life based on someone else's vision. Um, I'm going to repeat that because I think it's super important. I am not anti-relationship, but I am anti-cutting your life off at 21 for a potentially smaller life based on someone else's vision. My belief on love and work is that if it's meant to be, it will always be. When I was younger, my dad would tell me that the on- that you only get the stamina that you have to work as hard as you do in your 20s one time. As you age, you don't have the same strength. And as you get older, life's golden handcuffs, marriage, children, career begin to take shape. This is the time to shoot your shot. Go, go, go now while it is not really as taxing as it will be for you in 10 years or 20 years. Um, I need way more sleep today than I needed at 24 or 27. Do what you need to do. You already know what that is. Next question. I've been hired on as a contractor for six months with the possibility of being brought on as a full-time employee. They have an up and out policy, which breeds a lot of competition and anxiety among our team. I've been doing too much in terms of trying to help with administrative tasks and always trying to be early, which I've noticed my manager get annoyed with. I've been trying to be more laid back and casual. I've also toned down on speaking up at meetings, but now feel as though he is taking that as a sign that I don't take initiative. Trying to find the balance between the two. I'd love to get some insight. Also, how do I remain competitive while doing collaborative work with the rest of my team? As always, thanks for all that you do. So I'm going to just say what I like the mantra of life that I have. First things first, need nothing attract everything. If it is not meant for you to make it past the six month mark at this job, it's because there's something much better for you out there. And you have to believe that. Um, My biggest concern is that you haven't asked enough questions, or maybe you don't know how to ask questions. In my experience, I have found that to be one of the greatest challenges in the workplace. Ask questions like, can you tell me how you would go about doing X, right? That means that you are asking versus you're trying to do all these things and you don't even know if you're doing them the right way and you are getting on people's nerves. I do believe that. Um, another question is you can say, what are the consequences of doing X rather, rather than Y? Um, why did this work? Why didn't this work? If you're not asking the right questions and you're just running around doing any and everything that is not needed, I can see how annoying this could be. You need to schedule some time or just ask for a few minutes with your supervisor. Hi there. In an attempt to make sure I am giving you the work that you need, what would you say are your priorities today, this week? Is this more important to you than this? Don't just don't 
speak just to hear yourself talk. Like nothing grates my nerves more in a meeting than people who just feel like I have to say something so people know that I am engaged. If you don't really have a question or anything to add, that's fine. You won't always and you shouldn't always. You can you can agree with people and say that's, you know, you can be competitive and collaborative and, and give your um, coworker a shout out, you know, in a meeting. Hey, that was a really great idea. I'd love to help you on that. Um, get centered and focused on doing a great job versus being afraid that you'll be booted at the end of the six months. And that's what's happening is that you're panicked. You're on the panic bus. And so you're doing a whole bunch of things, getting on folks' nerves that don't matter versus getting centered and focused on doing a great job, figuring out what the needs are, meeting and exceeding the needs. And you will not find out what the needs are if you don't ask. So stop assuming, um, showing up early. If they're, if you're showing up early, you know, have a reason to be doing the things that you're doing. Good luck. Okay, here we go. Hi, my leak. I would love for you to shed some light on how we as, as how we as women can break the racism wall down. I understand that it will not happen overnight, but I would like some advice, tips on what you think we can do as a society. I am a 25-year-old white woman, and I want to make sure I do my part in making this world a loving place for all who live here. With everything that has been going on, I think it would be great for you to share your opinion. I adore your podcast, and I listen all the time. I can only hope to be like you one day. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you very much. Um, I saw your question when you sent it, and I think you sent it a while ago. And I, I said, you know, the best person um, to answer this question, in my opinion, is Lovey Ajayi, who has been on the podcast. Um, I've been asked this question by my white neighbors before, and I referred them to an article that Lovey wrote titled Another Day, Another Hashtag, White People, You Gotta Get to Work Now. So I will share some of her tips Um, And I encourage you to follow her for more help because I feel like she's far more connected. And I feel like the way that she went about articulating these things were spot on. So she said, the first thing that you should do is listen, take some time to listen to what black people are saying, hear how we feel and do not debate it because there is a trauma that goes from your head to your toes that cannot be explained, but it is there. We carry it with us every day. The way our heart quickens when we see a cop, even if they think they're just walk, even if they're just walking by us, the way it feels when we watch our men and boys leave the house, unsure of whether they will walk through the door at the end of the day. So the first thing she wants you to do is listen. Another suggestion that she had is to amplify the voices of black and brown people. When you don't have the words to speak up, give your mic to someone black who does. Share their Facebook status, retweet them, and tell others you know how to drink up their perspective. At the minimum, you can do that. That's a statement in and of itself. Another suggestion she has is to talk to your family and friends. She says, Lovey says, I am a firm believer that we cannot fix anything until we change our hearts and minds. And we do that by challenging those closest to us. It means that as you sit at the dinner table and someone spews hateful things, bigoted statements, and it's just being racist, you speak up against this. This is not the time for you to sit in an awkward silence because because you doing that is being complicit in it. You are saying that you not only tolerate it, but you might approve. And I really think that that is super important. Um, 
I'm going to give you two more of her tips. She listed several others, but I felt like these would be great to share on the podcast for someone else who may be listening, who may not be familiar with Lovey. And I have passed this along to any person, um, non-black person who has asked me questions about the topic. So last two I wanted to share was be a witness. When you see a black or brown person getting pulled over by a cop, you pull over to and watch the encounter from a distance. Be a witness and record what's happening. Make note, your very presence might de-escalate the, situ- de-escalate the situation and you have a right to observe a police encounter so you will not be breaking laws by being there. And she says, commit yourself to fixing this. You are not helpless. We no longer need white allies, but white co-conspirators. Don't just talk about it. Really be about this life and act. So you can find Lovey at awesomelylovey.com. And she's on, um, she's on all the interwebs as on all the social webs as Lovey. And that's spelled L-U-V-V-I-E. Okay. So I've got a, a real deep relationship question. Sort of deep, I guess. We'll get to that. So she says, I recently ended a seven year relationship because let's be honest, after seven years, my name should be changed. More importantly, I didn't particularly enjoy feeling like I was constantly working to make this man feel comfortable, comfortable with saying, okay, you can be my wife. He said he wanted that too, but seven years later and nothing to show for it. Anyhow, since we were living together in his apartment, that mean I left. I moved back with my parents at 29. Initially, my plan was to just attack my debt, currently working with over 150000 student loan debt. So when I'm ready, I can work towards home ownership. But now that I'm back, I'm not so sure. I want out. I just started a new job that I'm confident I can pay rent somewhere out here in L.A., but I'm concerned about neighborhood safety as well as living paycheck to paycheck. I've never lived on my own, and I'm very much... So a loner type person. So moving back in with a functioning alcoholic father, a mother who tolerates it and a brother who just ignores them as much as possible is not my ideal world. I have thought about getting a second job, but I know myself. It's only so long I can put up with a retail type of work. It seems like whatever decision I make, there's going to be a heavy sacrifice. My question should I just deal at home with the attacking my debt like originally planned or should I move out at all costs, which means which could completely not allow me to crush debt, but might save my sanity and respect for my parents. What would you do? So this is one of those questions that I'm like, okay, you ask me, what would I do? So this is what I would do. I would go. I'd go mostly because you said you want out. The things that are concerning to you are things that any 29 or maybe you're 30 now year old would be, should be worried about finding a safe neighborhood and making sure you're making your ends meet. I'm not sure how much you cared about those things when you were living with the boyfriend, but I'm hoping that you cared. Getting on in life requires sacrifice. You've been able to spend nearly a decade of your life leaning on others for help, and now it's time for you to lean on yourself and see what you're actually made of. I'm certain you'll surprise yourself. Retail work is not the only side work you can do. There's all kinds of stuff you can do for, do now, from Uber to, to grocery delivery to task rabbit to babysitting or tutoring um, that you can do. There are plenty of things that you can do to earn money. I don't know why people think that the only time they can get a second job, it has to be retail. That is not true. One of the best things that you can do for yourself right now at 29 or 30 years old is to learn to be independent. I'm going to step way out of line 
with what I'm going to say next to you, but I wouldn't be me if I didn't wonder if this is what the boyfriend was waiting to see, waiting to see if you can operate in this world independently. Will this person forever be my dependent or can they hold their own and bring something of value to the relationship as well? I don't know. Just a thought. Again, it could be a totally misplaced thought considering I know nothing about the relationship, but if I was taking a guess, I'd guess this. It's time for you to get out here and show yourself that you and you alone can take care of yourself because you can, I know you can, and you may have plans for home ownership and attacking debt and all of that. But I think first you need to steady the ship. You need to learn how to take care of yourself. And once you get the ship steady doing that, then you can begin to little by little attack your student loan debt. And then you can think about buying a home. I bought a home with student loan debt. Believe it or not, though I've been in business almost six years, I still have student loan debt that I'm still triple paying every month. And so um, that's going to be there. That is a lot of money. Um, It doesn't impact, as long as you're paying on time, it doesn't impact your credit score as it relates to buying a home. As far as I know, because I got one. Anywho, that's all for me, you guys. Quick Wednesday Q&A um, podcast. Bye.